0: Today is the, the last message in a series that we've been doing called Be the Church, and we've been looking at answering the question, what is a church? And uh, I have done the series a, a few years ago and, and wanted to revisit it uh, at this time, but we've talked about what a church is because we said the, the title is Be the Church, and, and uh, The church is, again, last time I'll say this, but the church is not this building. Spring River Assembly of God is not this building. Uh, It is not our address, but Spring River Assembly of God is the group of believers which meet inside of the building. And it is the same way with the church. Uh, The church, big C, the church around the world, the church is the group of people that meets together someplace. For some people in America, you know, they meet, the, the church meets in a building like this, in a church building like this. Uh, other places, maybe in China, there are underground churches where they're meeting secretly in homes or, or you know, somewhere that, that nobody, the government doesn't know about, because if they knew about, they would come in and, and they would arrest them or, or do something worse to them. And so, but the church is a group of believers that assemble together. And in the New Testament, it is when you see the word church, it is the, the English translation of the Greek word ekklesia, which just means an assembly, a group of people. And so, Spring River Assembly of God, the church, we are these group this group of people meeting in this building, and he has the Lord has given the mission to the church, because the church is not. It's not just, you know, what makes the church different than any other club or any other group of people that gets together? Well, Jesus gave us the mission in Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. But Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he said, in that passage, Jesus gives us the mission, the great commission, the mission for the church, the mission for every local church in the body of Christ, that our mission is to make disciples, to make disciples. That's what we do. Everything that we do is part of making disciples. So that is the mission. We have looked at the, the mission. We've, we've kind of looked at connect, grow, to connect with God, to connect with others. It's the great, great, great uh, command. Love the Lord your God, all mind and strength, your neighbor as yourself. Connect with God, connect with others. That's part of that making disciples, is that we grow in our relationship with God, we grow in our relationship with one another. Grow. We're to grow as disciples. Jesus said, To teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And so in that, he said two things. He said, teach them. So part of the thing that the church does is to help teach people this book. To help teach what Jesus has commanded, what God has commanded us in his word. And not just to teach what this says so that you could have some knowledge to have to, in your head, some trivial knowledge that you know, but he says to teach them to obey all that I've commanded. You see, God doesn't just want you to have knowledge of this, but he wants you to use it. He wants you to do it. He wants you to become what this book says that you are to become. And so he says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And so through that, we we grow. And then he said, serve. We're to serve. Love your neighbor as yourself. That God has called each and every one of us that we are ministers. You are a minister. If you're a Christian, you are a minister. And a minister just means one who serves others. And that God has given each of of you, did I just say yeet? I I apologize, some of y'all over here don't know what in the world that means, but I don't even know what it means, but teenagers do. But anyway, we'll cut that out of the sermon later on. But each and every one of us in this room, God has given you gifts and abilities that you can use to serve and minister to others. And that God has given you those gifts and he wants you to use those gifts. He wants you to use those to to help and minister to other people. And so that's part of also what the body of Christ does. And then lastly today, as we finish the series, we're looking at the go part. It's the very first part of what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And go is what we would typically call in a church that word evangelism. Evangelism. Now when I say that, some of you just started getting sweaty palms because you thought that we're going to, okay, we're going to hand out tracts and we're all going to go this afternoon and we're going to knock on doors of people you don't know. Some of you got a little scared about that. Maybe. Maybe. Some of you, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But Jesus said that we were to go because, you see, the church was not supposed to camp out in a building and wait for people just to show up, but God has called us to go and reach the people that are lost and don't know Jesus. Let me me personalize that. Spring River Assembly of God. God did not call us to come and camp out in this building and hope that people come into this building and stumble into this building someday. But he has called us to leave this building today and go bring people in here. He's called you to go out of this building to find some lost people and to bring them in here. He's called you to do that. You go, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor. God has called you He's called me. I'm part of that too. He's called all of us on this mission to go and to teach people and to tell people about Jesus and to bring them back here. That's all of us in this room. If you're a Christian, he's called us on that mission. Evangelism's focus is on those who are not yet part of this church evangelism is is the call to to reach people that aren't yet a part of the kingdom, not just our church, but in the world. That's what evangelism is, to to reach people who are not yet part of the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we start here. How many of you believe that heaven is real? Yes, yes, heaven is real. How many of you believe that heaven is a place where you want to be one day? Yes, we even sang about it early. There'll be no sorrow there we, right, we sang it, what a day that will be right, we, we sang about that how many of you believe that Jesus is coming back soon yes how many of you believe that hell is real how many of you believe that you don't want to be there how many of you believe that you don't want your loved ones to be there here's the truth and many of you know this But we believe that anyone who has not accepted the finished work of Jesus Christ, that unless they accept him before they take their last breath on this earth, they will not be in heaven. And that they will spend an eternity of suffering in hell. That's truth. Even if you go, well, but... But what about the nice people? What about the, what about the really nice people? I mean, the really good people, the really sincere people. The... Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And a few people, the, the nice people come. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I didn't say that. That's what Jesus says in John 14. One study talking about death, let me talk about death for just a second. One study says that there are in the, every, uh, uh, about death, that in the world that there are 56 million deaths every year. 56 million people die in the world every year. 3 million every year die in the United States. There are 153,000 deaths every day. There are 6,390 deaths per hour. 107 deaths per minute. 1.2 78 deaths per second. Somebody died. Somebody died. Somebody died. Somebody died. Somebody died. Somebody died. 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 While I preach this message this morning, I mean, in the next minute, there are going to be 60 people Close to 60 people that die. I mean, every, and of all of those people that are dying, all those 1.78 deaths that are happening every second, how many of those are going to go to heaven? How many of those are going to miss heaven of those one point, Every one point, or 1.78 deaths every second? Why is evangelism important? Evangelism is important because if there is no evangelism if the church doesn't get outside of the walls if the church doesn't get outside of of, of what they're doing inside of the building and doesn't go and reach people for Christ then the kingdom of God is not going to grow what is going to grow is the amount of people that spend eternity in hell that's reality that's truth it's a sobering truth. If the church doesn't continue to grow, the church will die. Now, the church will never die, but it certainly will not grow. Look with me into two passages and I want to look at the, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. And this is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. He says, after all, he says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul says, I watered, or he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. We'll come back to that. Mark chapter 4. Familiar passage, familiar story, familiar parable that Jesus teaches, the parable of the soil. Actually, says the parable of the sower, but really it's a parable of the soil. Starting in verse 3, Jesus says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but then the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plant so that they did not bear grain still other seed fell on good soil it came up and grew and produced a crop multiplying 30 60 or even 100 times let me read that verse again still other seed fell on good soil say good soil the other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Skip down to verse 13. Because the, the, the disciples are trying to figure out what in the world Jesus is talking about. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown in, in rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil, say good soil, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Whenever you're going to plant something, and I am not a gardener, I am good at killing plants. Although I did keep the one in my office alive for several years, right, Leah? And, and Until it died. But... It, it, the soil is very important to a seed growing. The, the, seed is, uh, the, the ground is very important uh, for, for the plant's health. I mean, it would be easy if, as, a, as a, a gardener, all you had to do was just walk out onto to a piece of ground and just throw seed out there, and man, you had, a, had an amazing garden. But it doesn't usually work that way. I mean, you usually have to have good, some good soil that you 're going to plant in in order for that seed to produce some good uh, good things. I mean the soil has to be good soil it has to have the, the right amount of nutrients in it it has to have the you know, the, the right acidic and pH levels and all those things and, and it has to be turned up and it has to you know the weed's taken out and the ground has to be turned up so the seed can actually get into the ground and I mean all of those things have to happen before the seeds actually planted into the ground and Jesus talks about in the parable of the soils he talks about that there was some seed that fell on bad soil and it didn't produce very good results but then there was the seed that fell on good soil and the seed that fell on the good soil it produced a lot of uh, some great results and Jesus tells the disciples that the seed that he's talking about is the word of God he said the seed is, is is his word that's being sown and being planted into to the soil. And the soil represents us. The soil represents the, the heart. The soil represents a, a people, if you will. And that those who were good soil, those who the, the hearts were prepared, that when the seed of the word was planted in them, then that produced really good results. And so this part of the success of the gospel depends upon the preparation of the soil of the person's heart that it's being planted into maybe you've tried to share the gospel with somebody before and it was just like you know they were they were you know like shooting bullets at superman ding ding it's like you had the best the best you know scriptures that you could use you had the you had the best uh, metaphors and the best things that you could share with them you're like i can't believe that they're not hearing i can't believe they can't understand this it's because this the the, the soil of their heart is so hardened it's like you're sowing seed on top of the hard ground and it's not even penetrating because this, the, the the heart the, the soil of the heart hasn't been prepared years ago if you wanted to talk to someone and, and uh, about christ and, and they didn't even go to church you could talk to them about the things of God and they had a basic understanding of the things of God maybe you, you did you know at, at a time maybe you did go door to door and you went knocking on doors and you went door-to-door evangelism. You talk to somebody. They didn't go to church anywhere. But you begin talking to them about Jesus. You begin talking to them about the Word of God. And even though they didn't go to church, they had a basic understanding of who God was. They had a basic appreciation of God's Word and a respect for, the God, for God's Word. And so when you talk to them, they had a, a, an understanding of who you were talking about and what you were talking about. And there was a, a receptivity of what you were saying. The, 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 the ground of their heart was kind of tilled up already it was prepared they weren't serving God they weren't going to church but they had a basic understanding that was preparation of the seed that you gave to be planted into their hearts but we are in a different world now that world was a world where people probably at that time grew up going to church there are probably people that went, many of you in this room, you when you were kids, you know people that you went to church with, but when they grew up, they didn't go to church anymore. They're, they're not going to church today. It's been 40, 50, 60 years ago that they have even been into a church. But they, you know that they at least have a basic understanding of those things because you went to Sunday school with them. They went to VBS with you when you were kids. The culture today we live in is... A vastly different culture in which we live. We, we live in a world where if you walked up to somebody and you started talking about the Apostle Paul, they would go, Who are you talking about? You're going, How do you not know the Apostle Paul? Or you start talking to somebody about John the Baptist, and they go, John the what? Who? Peter. You know what you know what Peter said in the Bible. Peter, who? Who's Peter? I mean, try to talk to some people today. That try to talk to, and you will find out soon that there are people that you're like, "How do you not know this? You live in America." It's because we live in a very different America than we did years ago. Because people that we we are in a generation of people that don't they don't go to church. They did, their, their parents didn't raise them up in church. They didn't grow up. They didn't hear the stories. They, the things you grew up listening to in Sunday school and hearing about Jonah and hearing about Moses and the little basket and the, you know, the parting of the Red Sea and all of those stories, they don't know what in the world you're talking about. They didn't, they've never learned those stories. They're brand new to them. They have no idea. We're in a different world. There was just a few weeks ago in, the, in U.S. News and World Report a story that came out Of of some things in the United States, listen to this. It says the portion of Americans with no religious affiliation is rising significantly in tandem with a sharp drop in percentage that identifies as Christian. So the proportion of Americans who are are in this nation who declare I'm you know they're not Christian, they're not Muslim, they're not they're nothing. That it is growing, and the percentage of people who say that in America that say that they are Christian is. Decreasing. Based on surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019, 65% of American adults now describe themselves as Christian. Sounds good, but that's down from 77% just 10 years ago. 65% now say, I'm a Christian. It used to be 77% 10 years ago. Meanwhile, the, por- the portion that describes their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular is 26%, which is up from 17% in 2009. 43% of U.S. adults identify themselves as Protestants, and, and you know, we, Protestants and, and Catholics that it would be the, on the opposite end of the spectrum of atheists and, and people that declare nothing, and so the Protestant portion of that, we would be considered Protestants. That The Protestant population of the U.S. is 43%, but that's down from 51% in 2009. The report found a steady decline in the rates of attendance of religious services. Over the last decade, the share of Americans who say they attend religious services at least once or twice a month dropped by seven percentage points. In 2009, regular attenders, those who attended religious services at least once a month, outnumbered those who attended services only occasionally or not at all by 52% margin. Now more Americans say that they attend religious services only a few times a year or less. Now all of that, just speaking of America, says this. It says a few things about what's happening in America. It shows that the Christian church is losing ground. American church is losing ground. It shows that more and more people are not turning to Christ. It shows that more and more people who once were worshiping and active in their local church several times each month, that they are their activity in their local church is growing less and less and less. And the bottom line is this, that of the nearly 3 million Americans dying each year, there are more and more each year who are dying and not going to heaven. They're spending eternity suffering in hell our culture is a lot different than it used to be i mean just those statistics kind of show it we we are a more skeptical society that we live in right if somebody calls you on the phone and says you know i've got great news you have won uh you know you have won two million dollars you know and your next statement is right whatever who is this or you say well what do i have to do you know it's too good to be true nobody's just going to give you something like that and so we're skeptical uh, about those things and so so because of that we're skeptical of those things we're skeptical about what people post online you know we're we're skeptical about the news right is it real is it fake we're skeptical about you know everything we're skeptical we, we know that there has to be a hidden lining you know there has to be something back it can't be true it can't be real all of the, we're, we're skeptical about everything, about what people say. And so then, when we try to tell people about Jesus, they take that skeptical attitude and they bring it right in when you're trying to tell people about Jesus. They go, yeah, right. What are you trying to sell me? What do I have to do? Well, I, I don't need to listen to you. You know, I, I, I mean, that skeptical Comes right into that, and so when you're trying to plant seeds of the gospel into their hearts and in their spirit, the ground is hard. It's not good soil. It is hard soil. It is hard pan. And if you play golf, you don't want to hit off hard pan. It is painful. Your your golf club won't go through the ground. It's hard. And people's uh, hearts are like that. It's hard, it's been hardened by by other by Christians in the past that have hurt them. It's been hardened by, by you know, pastors in the, in the news that have fallen from grace. It's, it's hardened by, by coworkers that they've had that said they were Christians and they, they were awful and they, they treated them horrible. They, they're, they're, they've been tainted by, by all of those things and they bring that in and their hearts are hardened and you're trying to share the gospel with them and their hearts are... And it's like steel trying to plant seeds. So if we're going to plant seed in 2019 we have to prepare the soil and preparing the soil takes time it takes hard work maybe harder work than it used to so real quickly let's see my notes still say that I've still got another 35 minutes to preach so I'm good and uh I wish I wouldn't have changed that clock because it would still be well no it would be one o'clock so never mind forget that forget that so how do you prepare the seed real quickly a couple of things how do you prepare the soil if you're gonna if we're gonna tell people about Jesus how, how are we gonna prepare the soil number one pray pray we need to begin praying for people we need to be be, be praying for lost people We need to be be praying for opportunities to share the gospel, opportunities to invite people to church, opportunities to, to talk to people about Jesus, opportunities to pray for people, opportunities to, I mean, all of those things, we need to begin praying, praying for the boldness to talk to people about Jesus. It's amazing what happens when we begin praying that way. We begin praying for lost people. You know what happens? You begin noticing lost people. See, most Christians are more concerned about their own spiritual life than they are about saving other people. And so they don't pray about other people. We don't even notice it. You ever notice how when you buy a new car, you notice that everybody on the road has one of those two? But before you bought that car, you never noticed it before? They were always there. You just never noticed it. But then all of a sudden, your mind, your your eyes are focused on there. That's what happens when you begin to pray for lost people, you begin to notice lost people. So we need to pray. Secondly, live a life worthy of Christ. Bottom line, be a godly example. You have to be perfect. No, we don't have to be perfect. But be an example. Be an example. Be different. You know, at, at, at work, don't tell people you're a Christian. Live it. In the neighborhood, don't tell people, I'm a Christian, I go to Spring River Assembly. Live it. Live it. You won't even have to say anything. They'll know. When you talk different, you act different, people will know. People will know that you are different. Be an example. What you're doing is you're preparing the soil of somebody's heart so that when you do talk to them about Christ, they're not going, oh, yeah, you're one of those Christians that preaches one thing and you live another one. No, they have seen your life. They have watched you live. They know there's something different about you. You're preparing the hearts of them before you ever say anything. Serve. Third, serve people. We talked about ministry, but serve people. There are things that, as a church, that we do to to serve. We talked about a couple of those. We did. We've for the last couple of years, we've taken a Sunday to go into our community and to we join with other churches and and Mo and and things, and we we've done that uh, to serve our community. Why did we do it on a Sunday? We could do it another day. Why did we do it on a Sunday? because we want to show the community that you matter so much to us that we're willing to take a day off of our building to go and show you that we care about you. Right? We, as I, I said earlier, we, we take cookies to the law enforcement. We, we take and serve, serve them. We had last, we're, last year, we had our first Heroes Day. Our, our next one, by the way, is going to be in January. We're doing another Heroes Day in January. What is that? That's an opportunity for us to show people that aren't yet here, hey, we care about you. We, we love you. We care about you. We, we're, we're serving you. We're, we're giving you something because so many people think that the church, they just want our money. They just want us. They just want, you know, they, they want something. We're saying, hey, we're, we're showing you. We love you. We, we're, take these cookies. We're, we're serving you. What is that doing? It's helping to break up the hard ground of people's hearts. It's helping to, to, to break that ground up so that, so that it can help break the stereotype that people have of Christians and that they have of churches. And just as a church, we can do those things. We're looking for other opportunities to do that, but you can do that invi- individually as well. There may be somebody at your, at your work that you've been, you've been praying for. You've been wanting to invite. You know that they're not going to church anywhere. You know they're not serving God. You're looking for an opportunity to talk to them And maybe there is something that you can do. Maybe bringing them cookies. I don't know. Maybe you know it's their birthday, and you give them a birthday card. I don't know. But something that you could could do to help them, or you hear you hear them, you overhear them talking about how how you know that they're they're having some problems in their family, and and they're not able to afford you know food or something, and you show up with dinner. Man, why did you do this? I just want you to know that we care about you. What are you doing? You're breaking up the hard ground of their heart. You're preparing the soil. So then, when you plant the seed, the soil is ready. So we plant the seed. How do you plant the seed? Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, he said, I planted the seed. I planted the seed. Now, when we think of Paul, we think of, you know, like a, a Billy Graham crusade, right? He just swings into town, and he does his crusade, and he goes on to the next town and everything. But the Apostle Paul, he spent a year and a half in Corinth. He spent a year and a half in Corinth working as a tent maker. He was working next to people. He, he spent time with them in their community. He, he didn't just, just come through and, and leave, but he spent time with them. He built, he built relationships with them. All the while he's building relationships, he's breaking up the ground, opportunities to plant the seed, to plant the seed. So when, when people have, have, you know, you've been praying for somebody, they have seen the way that you're living your life, and, and you know what, you, you mess up, you say, you, they see you mess up, you say, oh man, man, I messed up. I, man, I know God doesn't want me to do that. They see that, you know, you're not perfect, but that, you know what, your desire is to follow God and, and to live that way. They, they've seen you live your life. They've, they've heard you talk differently. You act differently. All of those things. You've been, you've looked for opportunities to love on them, to serve them, to, to, to help them with things. And then you talk to them about the Lord. Maybe they say, why are you doing all this stuff? Why, why, are you, why do you act differently? Why is it when I'm, you know, I'm hurting or something, you come over, you ask if I could, you could pray for me, and, and when I'm, you know, my, this is going on in my family, and you you come by and you drop a dinner off. Why, why are you doing all of this stuff? Boom, opportunity to plant seed. Opportunity to plant seed because of all of the work that you have put into doing that. You've prepared the seed. You've prepared, prepared the soil. You have an opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. Or you have an opportunity to invite them to church. Lastly, Paul said, because sometimes you do that and you're like, all right, you you're ready to accept Christ? No. And you might your first instinct might be to, man, I messed up. I didn't say the right things. You know, I guess I just give up. No. If you're a gardener, When you plant the seed, you cover up the ground and you pour water on there. Do you stand back and go, "All right, where's the fruit?" Uh, I guess I'm just not a very good gardener. No, what do you do the next day? Water it. What do you do the next day? Oh, there's a weed. Water it. We get enough sunshine? Yep. You keep doing that. What happens eventually? It starts poking its head through the ground. Sometimes you've got to keep watering. So you've asked somebody to church, you've talked to them about the Lord, they haven't said yes to Jesus yet, what do you do? You keep doing what you've been doing. You keep praying. You keep uh, serving them. You keep living, being a good example in front of them. You keep trying. You keep inviting. You keep talking. You keep doing all of those things. You keep doing that, and eventually, eventually, pokes through the ground eventually grows how many of you would like to see this room full of people no I just you know I I like having this pew all to myself no of course we go yes yes i would how many of you would like would would like to have a day where you walked in somebody wasn't in your seat and you couldn't find another seat and had to say hey guys let's let's go get some more chairs and 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 set up some more chairs would that be okay that would be okay like you'd be okay of the inconvenience of not sitting in your seat but somebody new was there and they accepted christ Like, that would be awesome. Do you know who has the most impact to make that happen? You. You. Did you know that people will come to a church for a little while because of the worship, will come to church for a little while because of the preacher, but they will stay because of the relationships that they have with the people so when you're doing all of that work when you're doing all of that energy to break up the, the, the soil in people's lives and you've, you've put, you, what you're doing in that you're investing into a relationship with them and you invite them to come guess what, they're more likely to, st- to come they're more likely to stay because they have a relationship with you Will they like the worship? Will they, yeah, will they like the preacher? If he stops preaching so long, maybe. But you weren't supposed to laugh at that. But it's all of our responsibility. All of us. Mine too. It's not... Dennis, that was a little too loud. It's not just me up here going, you knuckleheads, you knucklehead. no. No, it's, it's my part too. I have to do it too. But imagine if every single one of us in the next year invited one person. We, we invested into the life of someone. We, we loved, we showed Christ to them. We prayed for them. We, we invited them and they, they came to faith in Christ. One, one person, man, we would, we would double. And it's not just about, hey, let's see what we can do to get more people in here. Souls. Souls. People that don't know Jesus. There are so many people in our community, they're not going to church anywhere. It's not like they're, they're, they're not going to church anywhere. But why, can't, why, why not us ministering to them? Why not us reaching them? Why not us going and reaching them, ministering to them, so that we can help make disciples? And in the process of making disciples, we grow as disciples. It all works together. So let me, as I close, encourage you, encourage us this week. Now I know some of you are like, I don't even have any non-Christian friends. I know. That might mean that we might have to start looking For ways that we could make friends. We might be able to might have to look and see other places. You may be retired and you're like, well, I don't have co workers to do that. There might be other places. When you go to Walmart, do you look for people? There's a lot of people that need Jesus at Walmart. Just saying. So let me just pray over us because all of us, we need to look, be looking. We need to be looking for opportunities. Looking for opportunities. Father, I thank you, Lord, for that somebody was willing to take the time to talk to me. That somebody was willing to share Christ with me. That somebody was willing to invite me to church. That somebody was willing to... You know, to do that and probably so many in this room that could probably say the same thing that would say thank you Lord that somebody took the time to pray for me, to, somebody took the time to invest in me and Lord as the statistics I read said that, there, that unless something changes, unless something happens unless as believers, unless we do something that the church in America is going to continue to decrease that instead of the kingdom of God in America continuing to grow, that it'll continue to decrease. And God, that it was always your plan. You said that you were not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. It's your desire that every single man, woman, and child would turn their lives over to you and accept the free grace and the free gift of salvation from you. But just as Paul said, to the romans he said how will they know unless someone goes how will they know unless someone goes and preaches unless somebody goes and tells them about christ how how is it somebody how are they going to know about jesus unless somebody tells them my god you have given us the opportunity you've given us the command to go into all the world and make disciples you told us to go so lord would you help us Help us this week as we leave here today that maybe we just begin praying, Lord, help us to see the world around us. Help us, Lord, if there's somebody that needs you, Lord, help me to see today how I could minister to them today. Lord, help us to begin to see. And then, Lord, help us to have the boldness, the boldness to, to serve people, the boldness to invite people, the boldness to talk to people about you so that the kingdom of God in southeast Kansas would grow. Not for our glory, but God, for yours. God, we're just thankful that we have the privilege to be part of, God, what you want to do in this area. And so, Lord, help us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.